Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec. I am super glad that you're here with us today. I am here with the most amazing guest. You're going to absolutely love him like I have come to love him. So I'd like to welcome Scott Dickers to the show. How are you doing? Hi, Michelle. Great. How are you? Awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much for being here. This is going to be awesome. So yeah, let's I'm start off with the 5,000 foot view, who you are and uh, what exciting projects you got on go. Yeah. So I am a comedy entrepreneur. I got started doing a comic strip and voice work for video games, commercials, cartoons. And then I got into starting a humor publication, which turned out to be, well, it was a long slog, but it ended up being very successful. It was called The Onion, which uh, most people have heard of now, which is great because for many of the years of its existence, you would tell people, oh yeah, I'm with The Onion. They're like, the what? (laughs) So we're at that point now where people know what it is, which is great. It's been around some 30 years, I think. And along the way, I've made movies, I've made radio plays, I've written best-selling books. I've done just about everything you can do in comedy. And now I'm teaching comedy to people because after doing it for so long, you know, you sort of figure it out. And I started doing that at the Second City Training Center in Chicago in partnership with The Onion. I developed this program there where it was kind of like a farm team for Onion writers. Uh, and a lot of them would go through this eight week program and then we'd get, they'd get hired at the Onion or at Clickhole or something like that. And I've since left Second City and I'm doing that on my own now through a website called How to Write Funny. And I write books about how to write funny, but I also still do you know some humor. I just finished a novel, a satirical sci-fi contemporary fiction novel, which I'm pretty excited about. That comes out tomorrow, actually, as we're recording this. Nice. And I wrote a book about Donald Trump right before he got elected, a big full color like voter's guide. Um, That was, um, I think, uh, I want to say Simon & Schuster put that out. And I just did a book on another parody book uh, with Elon Musk as the writer. So it was like his vision for the future. It's called Welcome to the Future, which is mine. And I do a podcast, much like you, where I interview people in the comedy business from all levels, you know, actors, celebrities, stand-ups, producers, behind the scenes writers, just to get a really inside look at how the comedy business works. Um, Because those are my peeps, people who are interested in getting into the comedy business are the people who buy my books and sign up for my courses and such. So that's kind of what's, uh, what's up with me now. That is awesome. So out of all of that, what would you say is your favorite? Oh my goodness, that's so hard because I really (laughs) like it all. Like I love writing books. I love leading teams of people. Sometimes I'll do a book by myself, like the novel I wrote by myself, but other times it's a team of writers, you know, and I like doing that. I like producing things. I started an animation company. So many things I didn't have time to (laughs) fit in that bio and I made (laughs) cartoons and I, I, mentioned one of the first things I got into was drawing comic strips. I did a daily comic strip for like 10 years. And 
I just love it all. And I like being able to move from one thing to another because you sort of get tired. Your brain is like sick of drawing. And so you want to do radio comedy for a while. So <laughs> it's nice to have all these different like um, burners on the stove that you can move around in, but it's all kind of pretty comfortably in the comedy space. I was going to say, so would you consider yourself to be kind of ADD-ish or more of a divergent type personality that can do pretty much anything you set your mind to? Yeah, they didn't have the ADHD diagnosis <laughs> when I was a kid, but I'm sure that I would have been diagnosed and they would have drugged me and drugged the creativity right out of me. So I don't know. I've just, I've been alive and on this planet for more than 50 years. So I feel like whatever I have, I've learned to deal with it and I've made it work for me and I don't care. So <laughs> that's where I am at when it comes to that. I love it. I'm, I'm one of those people that not only has a finger in a different pie, but it's a different flavor. It's a cake. It's a, like, let's not stick yeah. to pies. It's what else can we do and where else can yeah. we go with it? I had a I therapist tell me once that I was um, bipolar and she said, yeah, but you're very high functioning bipolar. <laughs> like you use your work. <laughs> yeah. You use your work to when you're on your high and like your work fuels you. And then when you're not working or you're having some work frustration that's when you're low and i'm like oh whatever you know i'm just isn't doing, that life <laughs> isn't I'm that the way living. you're supposed to be <laughs> I, I, I think nowadays we're not supposed to be too happy or too sad i think uh, is the bottom line i'm thinking when you're in the flow be in the flow and when you're not in the flow I zone out the, on the couch <laughs> totally netflix binge i am all about the flow it's what i strive for it's kind of the holy grail when i can sit and be working and just lose myself for a day like it's literally the best thing Nice. I love it. Yeah. So what made you decide to go down the, the humor vein, if you will? Or the humor oh, vein? I didn't decide it, Michelle. It, <laughs> it chose me. So what happened there was as a really little kid, I just learned that doing funny things. And at that time, I'm thinking like three, four years old, drawing funny pictures and writing funny jokes and stuff delighted my grandma and my other family members. And so you, you learn as a kid, oh, this works. Like this gets me good attention, gets, gets me love, whatever. And so you do more of it. And so it very quickly became a part of my personality. And I would make little joke books and little calendars with drawings and jokes on them. And I would give them away to my family. And I made friends with kids in school who liked to draw and be creative. And then I made friends with other kids who liked to make little movies and uh, radio plays. And so I was always doing that stuff. And it was literally like the only thing I was interested in doing. I didn't go to parties. I didn't like hang out. I didn't like date. I didn't do any of the things that a normal young person is supposed to do. I just worked on comedy projects. And I will be uh, the first to point out uh, that they were not good. Like there was a lot of stuff produced there for a lot of years. that was pretty crappy. I was having a great time, but there was no audience and anyone who did happen to listen to it and give me feedback would have been just like bemused or confused or, oh, you know, whatever floats your boat kind of a response. And that's kind of how it was when The Onion started. I'd show it to family and friends and be like, well, you know, I guess uh, if it's keeping you busy, you know. <laughs> and that's kind of... Gee, thanks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how it goes. You know, that's like the entertainment business is a business that is filled with so much rejection 
that unless you love it so much that you are blind to that criticism, you're never going to succeed. So you just have to keep producing garbage for years and in so doing, practicing and learning to get better at it, getting feedback from audiences and incorporating what you've learned into your next project and hopefully getting better and better and better. And I, I somehow knew that instinctively because when I first broke in with my comic strip, that's how I did it. I came up with a comic strip idea and I sent it away to newspaper syndicates and I got a rejection letter back. And so I didn't get depressed. I didn't get like, oh, I can't, I guess I can't do this. No, I was, I really wanted to do this. And I, I knew I was going to do it eventually. They just didn't know that yet. So I just came up with a different idea and I sent that in and I just kept doing this. And eventually I, I came up with a comic strip that uh, a newspaper liked and it was a small college newspaper. I'd lowered my sights considerably, but I got in, you know, and, and they started paying me and that's what led to my success. I was able to build a big audience with that comic strip. I was able to self syndicate it to other newspapers and put out books and t-shirts and made a full-time living as a cartoonist. And then that's, that's what led to The Onion. Um, I was kind of this, you know, king of campus comedy in Madison, Wisconsin. So when these two business guys had this great idea to start this humor magazine there, they came to me and wanted me involved. So I jumped right in because it's again, just more comedy, more comedy projects, all I was interested in. And that's awesome. Yeah, when that's you sort of how say that though that that's just the recipe for entrepreneurship is yeah. you go and do what you love to do, whether or not anybody's following you or not, you're just <laughs> playing your drum as loud as you can and having fun with it. Yeah, I think for it, it is important to at some point know that whatever you're doing, it's connecting with people. So I knew that instinctively in the beginning that comedy was one of those things where it wasn't art, like you couldn't just do whatever because then nobody would like it. It had to be something that people would respond to and laugh at or whatever. So I was always trying. It's just at that time, you know, when you're young and you don't have any, I had no internet, like there was no way to distribute your work. There was absolutely no way to do that. All you could do is play it for friends, you know? And I, when I was in high school, I was able to submit a short film I made to a film festival and it got seen there and it won an award, which was very exciting to me, but that was it. Like you couldn't go online, you couldn't do anything. Oh, to yeah, get it's so much easier there. now. So you're doing your best to, to get feedback, um, but that's critical to get the feedback and then incorporate it in what you do. So I worked with what I had. I think if I had had the internet then, I would have been much quicker because the feedback comes faster and more furiously and more brutally honest online. And that's so valuable. Like that's just critically valuable. Nice. Yeah, that's I, I, I wrote this book called Outrageous Marketing, The Story of the Onion and how to build a powerful brand with no marketing budget. And I looked at other companies that have been wild successes in a number of various fields that are very diverse, like uh, medical, uh, transportation, um, food service, like you name it. Wow. And they all had this commonality that they were all started by an obsessive, single-minded entrepreneur who had this vision uh, for, for doing something a particular way. And there was a, a lot of them had no success for a long time, but they were dogged. They knew what they were doing was of quality and they kept doing it. And it's a very consistent pattern. And I saw that that's exactly what I had done at the onion. It was really no different. Um, so yeah, I agree. As long as you, what you're doing is getting traction, like if you want to 
become the next great uh, creator of black light posters of dolphins, you're never going to make money at that. Like there's no <laughs> way you're ever going to succeed at that. But if you have something that gets some traction that has some kind of an audience, yeah, I do think that's the recipe is to just doggedly pursue it with a, a blinding passion. And that way, even if you fail, like quote unquote fail, you've, you're still having fun. You're doing what you love. So what's the problem? Like if I had never succeeded financially at doing comedy, I would still be doing it for fun because I love it so much. I would have just had some day job where that made me miserable on the side. <laughs> That's what would have happened. <laughs> now we have something to write about because of course that pokes the pain and that's funny too but yep. so what about you because you brought up a topic and i think it's hugely important is a lot of people kind of excuse a biblical expression but put their pearls in front of the p pigs and it's like how do you find the audience that actually finds you funny like because you can put out a lot of comic out there and people kind of go yeah that wasn't funny you put it in front of the right person and they're splitting their guts laughing how do you find that audience that that yeah, jives no. with what you're putting out there? It is. It used to be really hard, but it's so much easier now with the internet. And I've made it even easier because I started a Facebook group uh, called How to Write Funny, where you just have to answer a secret question to join just to prove that you know something about writing comedy. And then you put your jokes out there and you see what people think of them. And you have a pool of hundreds of people who are going to tell you what they think of your work. And so that's so valuable. Like imagine having something like that when you're starting out, like it's so critical. There's really no other way that, you, and there's other Facebook groups that, that do this. I made mine a little different in that I saw some of the other like comedy writing Facebook groups were all kind of old fashioned in that they were very kind and, and their criticism was all sort of like improv. It's almost like yes anding or whatever. But I wanted just brutally honest feedback, like this is good, this is not good. Do more like this, do less like that. Like some, you know, really basic constructive feedback that you can really work with. And that's uh, that's what we foster there and it's really handy. I use it, like when I write something, I put it up there and I get feedback and it's critical, I love it. I love it. So I do have a twisted sense of humor. So every time you say that, I keep hearing how to write funny as opposed to how to write funny. So I'm just going to over articulate that for our audience and anybody that has my yeah. sense of humor, because I know you're out there. <laughs> um, so who would you say that your ideal client is? Who do you love to serve and support? That's a good question. I didn't have one in mind when I started. I just figured anybody who's interested in learning how to write comedy, I will serve that audience. And it turns out there is kind of like a customer avatar. There's a certain type that is the majority of my audience. It's males in their early 20s who are frustrated because they really think they should be making a living in comedy, but they are not. So having said that, there are plenty of women, there are plenty of, and they're white. That's another thing, you know, there, a lot of them are white, but there are plenty of minorities. There are plenty of people from other countries. There are plenty of women. There are plenty of older people, but that's, if I had to pick an avatar, that's probably like 50, 60% mm -hmm. of my audience. But they and find you. they find me, yeah, that they're just finding me. Nice, and I would love to diversify your audience because <laughs> I think your work is fantastic. I am Thank a you. student of the class. I am the Facebook group. 
of awesome feedback and wonderful and they're, and they're active they are their people are participating and yeah it's yep. an awesome group to be a part of yeah they're helpful but they're also not going to be sugarcoating anything Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think it's hugely important because you got to know, like, is this just funny to me inside my head or like when it comes out, does it still work the same way? And more yeah. often than not, no, probably not. <laughs> even, even the top stand up comics need that because even they go out on the road and they try new jokes. And if they don't work with the audience, they go back to the drawing board. Like they don't know. You well, know and it's an knows. expensive experiment in front of an audience of 500 or a thousand as opposed to somebody on Facebook going, oh, okay, exactly. we won't do that one. Yeah. You got to test. Okay. Cool. So I know you haven't been doing the courses and things for a while, but can you give us an example of some of your Cinderella stories, somebody that you have worked with and it's been awesome. Oh my goodness. There's so many. So when I first started at the onion, I would always hire people who had no comedy experience. Cause I wanted like a empty slate. I didn't want anybody with bad habits. And after The Onion started getting really big, my business partners were often urging me to hire like professional TV comedy writers and stuff like that. And I would always resist that because it was very important to me to hire people who knew nothing and who just had eagerness and uh, you know a, a brain that, that I thought was like conducive to comedy. So I hired a guy to be in our assistant editor suddenly left one day. This is after the onion was pretty well established and we needed to fill that position really quickly. And I just put up a job posting and this guy, there were many people who applied obviously. And this one guy, he worked at a flower shop and he sent in this submission. And basically what I did was I gave him a bad onion story. I gave him a first draft of an onion story and, I, and the, the assignment was edit it, make it funny. And so his edit was pretty good. Like he sent, sent back track changes and it turns out he had done a little bit of improv and he had done uh, some writing for news on the radio. So he had the perfect balance of like news writing, comedy <clears throat> and he did a good job on the edit. So I brought him in, you know, no comedy experience whatsoever to be the assistant editor of like the, the world's leading comedy publication. And I did that sort of thing a lot and he succeeded wildly. His name is Joe Randazzo and he turned out he was a great leader. So pretty soon he was promoted to editor. And after I left, he became uh, editor in chief and he went on to write a book about how to break into the comedy business and he's written for TV. Uh, that's just one, one of many, many examples. There are so many others like uh, all the people who uh, went and and ran uh, John Stewart's show and Stephen Colbert's show when they first came on were all Onion people who came to work at the Onion with no experience. Um, they went off to Hollywood to try to make it writing sitcoms or whatever, and because of their news comedy background at the Onion, they got plugged into that sort of Daily Show world, and they've won so many Emmys. It's crazy. Nice. Uh, That's awesome. And it totally yeah. makes sense. It's a perfect fit to perfect comedic fit. news. Yeah. The Colbert show, especially because it's almost exactly what the onion is. It's like a fake voice for news. Um, John Stewart's a little different in that he sort of hammed it up and would smirk at the audience, which the onion would never do. The onion always played it straight, which is what Stephen Colbert did. So in many ways, the Colbert show was a more, uh, an even more oniony show than the daily show. 
That's awesome. I used to get um, people making co comments on my Facebook that I got my comedy from Fox News and my actual news understanding from SCTV. <laughs> so I can't oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's how I understood it. That's <laughs> good. It's great. Uh, I love that stuff. So what might somebody, what might some of the stumbling blocks be that somebody might have right now that they're at home thinking, oh my God, Scott, I need you so badly. Yeah. So in the comedy business, I think the primary pain point that I see among people is the frustration of not being able to get motivated to write or create comedy. And obviously to succeed in comedy, you need to create some, you know, that's step number one, getting out there and performing it or distributing it or publishing it in some way is step two, but you have to create something. And people have a real hard time with that. They don't want to sit down and write and they don't want to create. Primarily it's because they're scared of creating something that's terrible. And, you know, I can just tell you right now, the solution to that is quite simple. Number one, you have to embrace the fact that it will be terrible and just accept that and do it anyway, because you, you love it. Just do it and keep doing it. And the second, second way to solve that is to do this great exercise called the morning pages, where you write for 30 minutes every day without stopping and without editing, without judging what you're writing. Just like move your fingers, don't stop, don't think, 30 minutes. And what that will do is like unlock your subconscious childlike sense of fun that you've spent your whole life trying to suppress that you need to have access to as a comedy writer to be silly and to be inappropriate and to be wacky. And a lot of people are just blocked. They just don't have access to that. And that exercise, if done for enough days in a row, and it's gonna take a different number of days for everybody, depending on how blocked you are, they're gonna, they're gonna unblock and it's gonna start flowing out. And what you need to be a comedy writer is you need that sense of ideas are just pouring out of you and you can't stop them. I've never met a professional comedy writer who didn't have that quality of needing to write because it's just pouring out of them. And so whenever they get a chance, they're jotting down ideas or jotting down the stuff. And that's because they've unlocked that sense of childlike play that most other adults have learned to keep safely hidden under the surface. I love that. I forget which writer it was that said, I'm, uh, I'm blessed by inspiration. Fortunately, that inspiration comes every morning at nine o'clock. <laughs> so another, you just sit down, start typing, and something comes, and it'll all work yeah. out, kind of thing. There, there are so many myths in the entertainment business and in in the writing discipline that people just believe, and they're just not true. Like you just said, like the myth that you have to be inspired, that you have to get this lightning bolt, because that's how it's often depicted in drama. And it just doesn't work that way. The professionals sit down and force it out. They don't wait. And, and sometimes you do get a lightning bolt, a lightning strike of inspiration, and that's wonderful. But you could never count on that. Like you need to do the work. <laughs> you need to go to work. And like you said, right at 9 a.m., you need to be pouring out the ideas. That's awesome. So oftentimes I talk about people scaling their businesses because we're taking people from entrepreneurs into business owners. And I get that you're helping a lot of people get into the comedy business which is awesome and again your content's fantastic for that because it's so step-by-step and and being able to kind of understand what the 
the long game plan is and the short term game plan is. But talk to me for a bit about somebody who's scaling. So somebody that's in the comedy business and they're going like, I just know there's something else I got going on. How do you take them to the next level? Yeah, so comedy is really different depending on what field of comedy you're in. So there are ways to scale depending on whether you're doing you know, a web comic or a blog or your own publication or stand up or whatever. So it kind of depends. But one of the first things I tell people who are kind of at that stage where they've been doing the work and they're getting a little bit of traction, but they just haven't hit that next level or whatever, or they're not making a living at it. Oftentimes all it takes is uh, what I call firing on all cylinders. So typically people will pick one route. They'll pick stand up. And they'll go with that. You just get a burst Blinded of light. The <laughs> Sun decided to hit me. Oh, I see. We're just going to move this. There we go. Oh yeah, that worked. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, remind me where People I was. scaling so, when they they get to that point, but they're just not got it. making it where they're, they want to be. <laughs> they're not making a living, and what they do is they tend to hyper focus on their the field that they've selected as opposed to going broad. So like, for example, a standup who's starting to make a little money, maybe headlining, going on tour, making a little money on the road. What that person needs to do is they need to write a book and they need to write articles and they need to sell their book at their shows and they need to record a, a comedy album and sell that at their shows. And they need to have a website and they need to do things in other media to fill themselves out, to round out their comedy, because that's how you scale. Like that's how you leverage your comedy and build your brand is by doing it in more than one medium. You can do it in one, it just takes longer and you're not really maximizing the potential, the earning potential of that. Right, so ironically, this whole COVID thing and lockdown is actually a great opportunity for standups to, to diversify and, and I'm guessing as they do that, they're going to be honing in on a whole different level of skill that will actually speed up their success if they, if and when we get back on the stage. Yeah, uh, I hope I hope that many of them are doing that because a lot of times, you know, standups will get hired to write on a late night talk show or they'll get hired on a sitcom or whatever. And if they've never written before, they're going to find that really hard and they're not really going to be considered for those jobs. But if they've written a few articles, you know, if they've written a few sketches that have been produced, like the fact that they do stand up also just makes them look like a much more well-rounded comedy professional that can be trusted by uh, you know, a show that might hire somebody. And getting a job on a show is a great stepping stone to furthering your own career if you just wanna succeed you know, as a standup or in, in some other field as an author or whatever. It just, it increases your platform tremendously. Nice, I love that. and. Uh... And talk to me a bit about it, because I know I'm a little biased on having <laughs> taken your course, that I get that it helps to be able to, to write it and see things from a different perspective. But as you were writing that course and as you were creating it, did you see that kind of blend of um, diversity coming into it? Or did you have a different state of mind because it was pre-COVID when you wrote it? No, like I, when COVID hit, like I took a big hit. Um, because I was doing a lot of speaking at colleges, like doing comedy performances at colleges, which a lot of comedy people do. And those gigs just dried up. But I was diversified because I also did books. 
and I, you know, I also had my course and I, I do a lot of other, like I have my fingers in a lot of pies comedy wise, but I heard from so many other people in comedy, like, you know, oh, I, have, I can't do stand up anymore. I got nothing, you know? And what I was preaching on the course was fire in all cylinders. I didn't even realize that that was wise advice for a potential catastrophe like the pandemic because you just never know. And I, I think maybe in the back of my mind, I knew that because at The Onion, we had diversified early. We did The Onion newspaper, then we did a radio show, then we did The Onion website, then we did a book, then we did video and TV. We, and we even worked on a stage play, a movie, like every medium we could be in, we were in. And that really helped us because when the internet bubble burst in 2001, The Onion, had a really strong footing in the print uh, advertising business. We distributed the onion in print in major cities across the country. And so there were a lot of other big websites that were just websites that went belly up. Websites that had billions of dollars <laughs> invested in them. Belly up, never heard of them again. And it was because we were diversified. And then in the mid 2000s, when the print market crashed, the onions um, primary income source was digital revenue. So we weathered that. We, we could have easily, the onion could have easily been uh, run out of business on a rail due to either of those two uh, economic downturns. But we had our fingers in plenty of different pies and we just sailed right through, no problem. So I've always been, I think that just like taught me the hard way that you just never know what's going to happen. And it's really a good idea to have multiple streams of income in whatever field you're doing in case one of them just falls through. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. I mean, it's pretty sensible. <laughs> you I, know? I assume it's also uh, savory advice to say that it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be the same kind of transferable skill just because you're good on stage doesn't mean you're going to be good at writing. Just because you're good at writing doesn't mean you're going to be good on stage. Oh, it's can... a, they're very different <laughs> muscles. And so that's another reason why you want to do them all is because you don't want to be a weightlifter that has enormous calves and like no other development. <laughs> like you have to be a well-rounded Arnold Schwarzenegger shaped comedian who can do everything, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. I could say so many things that, but I won't. <laughs> I'll be nice on that one. So let me ask you this. Did I ask you this? At what point in time life did you know that you're special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become a successful entrepreneur? You did not ask me that. You asked me how I got into comedy. It's a little different. Well, I don't think I ever knew that. Maybe recently, maybe like in the last five years, probably, when I left The Onion for the last time and decided to embark on my own and do the, the How to Write Funny website. Because before that, I was just powered by the sheer fuel of passion. Like I was just creating comedy and other people were doing the business side of things. I was just doing the creative side of things. And I had picked up a little bit here and there and I kind of was my own you know, business partner for my comic strip. That was like a one man operation. And I had done a few other things that where I was like an entrepreneur, like starting my animation company, for example, which ended up not working out. Like it's just, we realized this is not a sustainable business it costs so much to create the cartoons, the amount that you would make making them for people was like about the same. <laughs> it's like a break even <laughs> business. Like, well, that's crazy. So um, 
you know, I'd taken some hard knocks and I'd learned some hard lessons. And, but for me, it was always about, well, how can I just make comedy? I just want to be able to make comedy. And being an entrepreneur, having a business that sustains that was really just a means to an end to like be able to fund my comedy. So yeah, I never really thought about, but I, I took it seriously. Like, you know, in the last five years or so, I really started. And even before that, I think about 10 years ago, I took some courses like uh, how to be an online entrepreneur, how to do online courses, I had some basic like business classes, like, because again, I, I came from the creative world. I didn't know anything about running a business. I needed some really basic knowledge about marketing, like the idea of um, um, writing to market, you know, producing work that people actually want. Like that was a revelation to me. Um, the idea of bootstrapping, that was a revelation to me. And I, I preach that all the time now. Like people want to start a business and they want to invest a lot of money in it. And that's just so foolish. Like start it with what you have, steal pens from your day job office and <laughs> once you have some traction, once you see that what you're doing is actually making a little money, then maybe invest a little money in it. But, you know, we, that's another myth. I think we all have this vision of like the people on Shark Tank who go and get, you know, an angel investor to invest $200,000 in their business. That's, um, that's a recipe for disaster because most businesses fail, like 90% of all new businesses fail. Don't bet on that. Those are not good odds to bet on. Exactly. So, and the sharks will only invest it. in you if you've proven that you can run your own business anyways. Right. If you've proven it, then go run it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Bootstrapping is the only way to go. I love that. That is awesome. So again, if people want to get a hold of your book, how do they buy your book? Uh, they can buy uh, How to Write Funny on Amazon. It's exclusively on Amazon. Awesome. And if they're not ready to make that kind of a leap, there's free eBooks on the How to Write Funny website just to get people started in comedy, thinking about like, what's square one? You know, how do you even start thinking about this? Uh, some really basic uh, eBooks there and a joke writing cheat sheet that people can use. And a lot of other interesting, um, like, like I said, the podcast is there and some blog articles about comedy writing if anybody's interested in that um and my new book my novel is called uh, the joke at the end of the world and that is on amazon as well nice i love that and i mean i again have a twisted sense of humor in that i think everybody should be studying how to write funny because i think right now it's more important than ever that we bring comedy to everything that we do i don't care if you run a telephone company. I don't care if you run an oil and gas company. I don't care if you run a Kleenex company. I think if you can bring humor into an IPO, if you can bring humor into like your everyday conversation that you're having with your staff, your employees, your everything, that it becomes like the world is just going to become a better place. We got to quit buying into this crap and just start understanding how we can bring funny out to the best of our abilities in everything that we do. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and you hit on, on a real like keen philosophical point about comedy that, uh, that I think is really worth passing on. And that is that humor and having a sense of humor, being able to laugh at things is one of the few things that distinguishes us from the lower animals. There are some arguments that chimps laugh or dolphins laugh or whatever. But when humans are scared and 
uh, they're under stress, they don't laugh. They're not laughing. They're more in their lizard brain. And that's very unhealthy for us. And that leads to a lot of strife. And there's a lot of strife in the world right now. There's a lot of division in America, for example. A sense of humor is something that we've lost. Like people are offended by jokes and they take them too seriously. And there are certain people who can't laugh, who don't laugh because everything is very serious and everything is an outrage. And we need to lighten up. Like it's very important. It's literally what makes us human. Nice. I absolutely love that. I took a course once and uh, they were talking about what your kind of spiritual spirituality is. I said, I don't know. I don't have any, but my church is humor. And it's like, that's where I go for my divinity is when I can laugh. I know I'm with my peeps. The whole illusion of my life sucks, just breaks apart. And it's like, oh my God, I love my life. This is awesome. That's so, lovely. <clears throat> that to me is, uh, I mean, it's everything I even have in my schedule, study humor. <laughs> it's like, that's it, great. It's, it, it helps me to focus on, hey, just got to take a break and go and find a comic that I can hear, listen to. And my goal is to be able to, so I don't know if you know what I do, but I teach people on marketing and we sell the IT behind marketing, which of course is very boring and very stoic and <laughs> very not interesting to anybody that's not an analytical thinker, right? So to be able to bring humor into the stage and have fun with it and and just get people to lighten up about something that is horrendous and nasty in their business, let alone horrendous and nasty in life, I think it's paramount. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. Um, I yeah, hope everybody be, signs up for your stuff. Be a humor ambassador. There you go. <laughs> Love that. Awesome. So peeps go to howtowritefunny.com and the joke at the end of the world. The, inver- the end of the world, sorry. Um, okay. I should know that. So um, <laughs> I will write it down. So if you're driving right now, go to awarenessstrategies.com and slash news and we will make sure you just type in comedy or how to write funny or Scott and you will find all of his information there as well. That so any parting words for our peeps today? Go out there and have a good laugh. Nice. Love it. Excellent. So this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being with us here today. If you know anyone who would make a great guest for the show or have a question or topic that you'd like me to discuss, please reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to our show. I am all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support they need to make it in business. As such, I have Taking Your Business Digital Q&A every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Mountain. To register for that, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash digital. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L. I look forward to meeting you and actually finding out how you are. So see you on the flip side.